looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, this is April Hunter, and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio. of this episode watching a show on A&E called Live PD. I'm hoping they're not showing up at our location or at the Pride of Bayonne's location. Mr. Sean Oliver from K-Fake Commentaries. How you doing this evening? I'm good. You know, I checked out that, that Live PD thing and you know, when you watch an edited program like Cops, you're guaranteed a little bang for your buck. It's far too unpredictable to just send out live cameras with six cars. You might have a dead night or, you know, a particular call may go on for so long that you can't stay with it. I don't know. It was intriguing to me when I heard the concept, but I think it's a flawed system. I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, because this is the first time I've heard about it. I'm actually watching it as well in the background. And right now they're dealing with a domestic dispute up in Connecticut, which is uh, interesting. And no, it's not the McMahon household. Right. Well, so, they just uh, threw a 
punt money at each other up there. They when he gets pissed off, he just like takes a stack of thousands and just throws it across the room and pelts Linda. So that's where she got the six million to donate to Trump. Then, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, wrestling fans hard-earned money. Oh boy, yeah, we. I don't know. Don't want to go there, but uh, you know, I guess I will go there to start off first. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer, obviously, uh, Donald Trump, the elected president. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that? Listen, the, the commentary on that is we are in a society now where we are, I say we, meaning the general public, we are guided by celebrity. Um, we are news organizations have to outdo each other with the most outrageous story. Reality television has to produce the most outrageous event taped on television to to garner ratings. So why wouldn't a reality star be the next president? I mean, I think I'm I'm fairly certain that, you know, Jay-Z could get elected in, in four years at this point. It's totally consistent with where we've put our priorities. I think in um, in the country. Yeah, that's here and there, and we're not a political show, but yeah, it's unfortunately where the direction we're heading. Uh, well, kayfabe commentaries. Let's go that route. Uh, obviously, I want to start off with the new uh, series that just recently was released, uh, Supercard. Uh, you just released an episode with King Kong Bundy. Uh, what's been the reviews of that so far and dealing with Bundy for this project? I'm thrilled to say that everything that I've seen come back from fans who are, let's face it, the critics that matter, the ones that you have to listen to, uh, has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, even to the point where people were like, hey, you know, I didn't know if I could get into this, but, uh, you know, I absolutely loved it. I think the format of the show, people are going to be into, like our timeline series is probably our most popular program right now. And because of that chronological retelling of history, I think that's what people – are attracted to about the timeline series and Supercard is very much the same thing. It is a uh, chronological retelling, but rather than do a whole year like we do in the timeline series, we're just covering a specific Supercard or pay-per-view per episode of the show. So just like timeline is the definitive retelling of a year in the history of a company, we want Supercard to be the definitive retelling of a particular supercard. Warts and all, good, bad, and uh, and, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, about a particular event. So we start for the King Kong Bundy episode, for example, we take it back to his entrance into the company. Actually, his debut for the company was in the early 80s as a job guy. Um, But then we fast forward to his coming into the company in 85, right before the first WrestleMania, and then cover his his angles and his involvement in the company up to WrestleMania 
2, and then we explore WrestleMania 2 in depth uh, from the angle with Hogan. The actual, the, the entire card, actually. And, you know, all the figures on attendance and what the gate was for each uh, each city. Is that WrestleMania 2 uh, was broadcast from three separate cities. So we want Supercard to be the total historical encapsulized retelling of a pay-per-view per episode of the show. And I think the fans really dig it. Well, talk about dealing with Bundy, because Bundy is one of those guys, and rightfully so, uh, especially when you're out of the ring, telling your stories or doing meet and greets and, you know, that kind of thing is what where you can make a living still. Uh, but Bundy isn't one you, you see out and about uh, talking much on a public forum whether it's in shoot interviews or in podcasts nowadays or what it, whatever or whatever venue. Uh, how forthcoming was he in terms of uh, talking about everything? Oh, tremendously open. He's a shooter, and I mean, you'll, you'll see. He, he holds nothing back. He's, he's one of these guys that it's so refreshing to talk to. They've got nothing to lose. They they may not have an axe to grind. They're not bitter, but they just have nothing to lose. Everything that comes out of their mouth isn't politically positioned for safe entrance back into Connecticut um, when their number comes up again. Um, anyone under 35 that you talk to today always kind of has everything framed like that. You know, they want to go back to Big Mama someday. And the guys that don't give a shit, they're the guys that can be honest and Bundy's one of those guys, man. He's he was totally open and honest. Nothing was out of bounds. Um, very truthful. A Jersey guy through and through. He was uh, he was great. Yeah, because I was actually watching the uh, sneak preview, I believe it was uh, a little while ago, and I loved the one because you say Jersey guy through and through. Uh, the one part in there he mentioned. I think you were discussing his wrist tape. He goes, man, I would have, <laughs> yeah, back in the day, smacked the shit out of you for that. Yeah, he was, I think he said, uh, he was trying to remember his his preparation. Like I said, we, we talk about the event soup to nuts, so I want to know what the talent is doing, you know, in the locker room right before the match, and what's the vibe back in in the, you know, the in the dressing room area, the locker room area before the show, and he was wondering if you had wrist tape on that night. And I said, you did, because it's where you hid your blade. And he just kind of cringed and said, yeah, back in the day, I just want to slap the shit out of you for that. <laughs> and he paused for a minute. He said, but you're right. That's where I had my blade. Yeah. But uh, speaking of uh, guys like that who are forthcoming and whatnot, uh, you guys been around since 2007, done plenty of interviews, and everything. Who's who would you say is the most interesting guest you've dealt with, and who are ones that you felt like you were pulling teeth? Um, the most interesting guests. Um, it you know what it, it really depends on the particular show. Like for example, for for the guest booker series, um, the guests we have on those shows are bookers, former bookers, people that have booked for one of the major companies. So I, the guys that really open up their psyche and kind of let you inside their thought process 
Um, I think those are the most interesting guys for that series. So, like, for the Guest Booker series, I think Kevin Sullivan um, is a fascinating guy, getting inside his creative process. And um, I thought Gary Hart was great. We had the fortune... the tragic fortune to work with Gary the night before he passed away. Um, and uh, that guest booker was great because he's another one of those great minds for the business. Um, so any of those guys that really let you inside their mindset for for that series, I find fascinating. So Sullivan, Gary Hart. Then there's the U-Shoots. The U-Shoots are, are more lighthearted, fair, uncensored, comical, so your more interesting guests for that are going to be the guys that are not afraid uh, to go to the dark side for a little bit, you know, and have and, and be forthright about you know, whether it's, you know, shooting on someone they thought was an asshole or being open about their sexual proclivities back in the day. So any of the guys like, like Honky Tonk. Honky Tonk Man was our first U-shoot ever, and I think it's a classic. I mean, people still cite that a Honky Tonk Man U-shoot as – one of the best shoot programs ever just because of his his openness. Um, I find Kevin Nash to be fascinating because we can talk wrestling. We can talk the creative side of wrestling. We can talk history. And then in a show like Breaking Kayfabe, which is a series we have where we talk very little about wrestling. It's mostly about the lives of the people uh, in, in, in wrestling, their, their lives outside the ring. He could talk about a number of subjects there too, and have really compelling, open, honest conversation. Whether it was about, you know, his arrest because of the fight with his son, his son and his son's struggles with uh, chemicals. So I found him very interesting for that series. So it really depends on who the talent. Getting the right guy for the right series is really the magic recipe. Well, you, or the right you, girl for that matter. <laughs> well, you actually answered another question I had about the personalities for dealing with these interviews there as well. But uh, uh what do I do? No. Uh, as far as uh, kayfabe commentaries, because I've heard you reference there, Honky Tonk Man uh, being your first shoot, I, and now we know everything on the internet is true. Uh, was it true that he was looking for a specific vodka for your production? Actually, yes, that's very good. He, um, we'd worked with him once before. When our company first launched, we weren't in the video. Um, you were in the audio side of things. Yeah, we were doing um, downloadable audio commentaries for matches that you could listen to while you watched a historic match. So. You know, instead of hearing Gorilla Monsoon call the match, you put your iPad on and or your iPod and listen to Honky Tonk Man talk you through the whole match. So we brought Honky in for some of those early ones, and he wanted, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Seagram's Extra Smooth Vodka. And, you know, your wish is our command, so we wanted to do everything we could to make our talent happy, as we always do. So we went to great lengths, and we found it. I found a dusty bottle on the, you know, the back of a shelf of like the fifth liquor store that I hit. And then after that, when when he was coming back for one of the other shows we did with him, he did the first U shoot. He did the first uh, timeline. Um, 
it was getting impossible to find it. I think they must have discontinued it or something because I left him a message. I said, Wayne, I can't, I just can't find this shit. And he was like, yeah, it's getting harder to find it. So he, he gave me an alternative vodka, which we were happy okay. to provide. But well, well, let me say that I, it's not our goal to get people loaded on the set. Sometimes we shoot for an extended amount of time. So we ask the talent what, what beverages they want. If they want water, if they want uh, iced tea, if they want um, – Vince Russo is a Yoo-Hoo freak, so he needs a copious amount of Yoo-Hoo. On the set, we're gonna we're gonna provide uh, within legal legal boundaries whatever you want that's gonna make you a happy and loquacious talent for the night. Well, let me say this or ask this then: Would uh, if certain guys or gals are lubricated, do you find it much more interesting uh, of an interview? I don't know. There's a Jamie Dundee you shoot out there that I didn't enjoy very much. He was plenty lubricated. and uh, Well, I'm saying I didn't enjoy it much because I was manhandled and, and, and kissed through the entire interview by him. Um, but uh, f- from a content standpoint, it was great. I was very happy with the product, but it was difficult to get through. And I think he was pretty well marinated, and it might have gone beyond drinkables in his case. Um he wasn't so we're talking past Sandman levels then. Yes, yeah, Sandman was a little less coherent. Jamie was uh, was up. Jamie was bouncing. He was he was up. Sandman was down. Um, but you know what? Honestly, there was only one person that I ever had to turn the lights off on after trying to start a few times and say, "Listen, this I can't. I cannot tape this and charge someone to watch you." chew your tongue and drool um, you know you wouldn't want this out there your family wouldn't want to see this your parole officer wouldn't want to see this so you know we, we got to shut this down so they, I only had to do that one time um, everybody else whether they were drinking let me just say for the most part also every, every time I, I see the string of comments on YouTube below and they just say everybody's wrecked all the time very infrequently is anybody consuming alcohol on the set? What they did beforehand is whatever, but I've never found anybody, other than that one instance, to be unable to perform and to give valuable, viable content. Only that one instance. And we didn't, there was nothing we provided. His, uh, his fanny pack sounded like he had, it sounded like a tic tac factory in there. And, hmm. um, we we he had to be carried uh, to the set, and I I knew that was a, that was a problem. Uh, well, there's still a line from a gentleman you mentioned who's been on. Uh, sounds like good in plenties. Precisely. Yeah, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, one of the things I did read again on the internet, but also noticed from dealing with the man himself on several occasions. Bruno San Martino and being a man of his word. What was the story that when he was going back for the Hall of Fame and all that kind of stuff and Legends deal that he said, hey, I owe these guys a show? What's up with that? We had him booked uh, before he was announced for the Hall of Fame and uh, we couldn't shoot it on the date that we were supposed to get it done. And uh, we shook hands and parted and uh, he said, I'll, you know, we will do this again. You know, you could either come out to me 
or uh, or I'll be back this way. You know, we're going to get it done. And so, you know, you, you sometimes take that with a grain of salt. But I had a feeling with dealing with an old school guy that that carried a lot of weight with him. Only later did I learn that when he was up in Connecticut agreeing to do the Hall of Fame deal and all the restrictions, I guess, that go along with that, he said of his own volition, and this was months after, you know, the date had passed when we were getting together to do the show, he said, I owe these guys in New Jersey a show. And they were like, well, Bruno, you know, we prefer you. And he said, no, 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 I owe them a show. And I guess they said, well, what, how much, how much did you commit to? Maybe thinking that they could just, satisfy the debt and you know that would be the end of it um but he gave them like some inflated figure <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah he purposely jacked it up so they went um okay all right well so why don't you do that one and then we'll do this whole hall of fame thing and and that's what happened and um i was just so grateful to him i mean i'm i think if you ask around um i would be probably without exception described as someone who's a man of my word and someone who's reliable and you know goes out of my way to 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 be honorable in a business where I know they have to deal with a lot of shenanigans it's important for us to be oh, you ain't you ain't shitting on that one you know all that yeah I mean we shit, come from the other side of it we're not in the wrestling business we come from the entertainment side of it so you know I guess we're kind of treating people on our sets how they'd be treated on a a legit entertainment show set so it was nice exactly. to have, it was nice to hear bruno say that uh but like i said dealt with the man for a few years now right around the same time period of going into the hall and all that stuff and not only a man of his word but classy gentleman and you know i can't say enough about the man it's positive you know absolutely like I mean, it's said, no you, secret the guy was the guy's the legend that he is he I don't think he could be a douchebag and last very long and be so. Although I don't know, I, I, I guess there were some douchebags that that are seen as legends. But um, yeah, yeah Bruno's a, Bruno's a cut above. Yes, definitely, uh, and still hear from him to this day. I was surprised because at the time we started dealing with him, we're you know two years in, whatnot, and whatever. And it's like this guy's not going to take our call, and yeah, you know, we went to his lawyer because of the documentary he was doing at the time on his own. And it was like, here, lawyers like called this, that, you know, you know how this, how it goes behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So we called, thinking he's not going to take our call. What's up? You know, we talked to him about everything, and he was like, he goes, yeah, sure, and would, and stayed in contact with the guy since. It's like, wow. And he he don't know us the time of day, you know. Yeah, sure. So. But you know, you find sometimes the the. In the traditional entertainment business, I found that the bigger the name, the cooler they are. There's just a yeah. lot less to prove. You know, there's less to prove when you've made your mark like that. So you don't have to be an asshole. Well, uh, back to uh, kayfabe in general, kayfabe commentaries. Uh, what do you think you guys provide that is different than either WWE-produced documentaries and or other shoot companies, like an RF or companies that are legitimate well first of all i think our production is second to none i think we put a great amount of time 
and care into designing the physical look of a series, um, editing it with care, um, having it be a very comfortable watch for the viewer, things that are invisible to the viewer until you see someone do it poorly, and then it stands out like a sore thumb. But, you I mean, you'd never notice if we had to, you know, we edit things to make it flow more smoothly. Show me the last shoot company that sat down before they put out one of their, you know, head-on-a-platter one-shot shoot interviews, although now, that of course, they're beginning to emulate with multi-cameras and hosts and stuff. But um, when was the last time they had a discussion about the flow of a show and, you know, making it comfortable for the viewer to get from minute seven to eight if we move this part out of there because it's a more cohesive discussion. It's just that kind of care that we put into it, the lighting, the audio, all of it. I mean, we we come to it with a great amount of care, with the viewer in mind. If you're asking somebody in this day and age, with digital media, other digital media companies like Netflix, giving stuff away for, for spit. When you're a small boutique company like this and you're not dealing in the millions of viewers, you can't give stuff away for nothing or for very little money. No, you not know? at all. So if, if somebody's going to put down $20 for a DVD still in this day and age or, or 15 bucks for uh, for an on-demand uh, stream, God damn it! I mean, I want it to feel like at least twenty bucks. You know, I want it to look like twenty bucks, sound like twenty bucks, be as entertaining as twenty dollars is supposed to be for that viewer. It matters very much to us. The writing of the shows. Um, you know, some of these guys almost fall down when we book them for a timeline, and I'll send them the script in advance. Or if I don't, they'll come to the set and see that there's eighty-two pages of research and questions. I mean, if they're shocked by it, and I'm shocked that they're shocked because I don't know how anybody could ask for the viewers 20 bucks or 15 bucks and not have 82 pages of content written that took a month and a half by a researcher to put together. I mean, it's that kind of care, and I think our fans understand that. They know we've got that kind of commitment, and I think that sets us head and shoulders apart of our peers. Now, you also mentioned WWE. They have a production crew and studio that's second to none. You know, they're operating at a level uh, from a uh, technical standpoint, you know, above us. But the great equalizer, the, they can try to emulate our content all they want, and boy, did they try. Just look at that network. And if you're familiar with our history and our programs, look at that network, for God's sakes. We showed mm-hmm. them how to make WWE Network. The, the shit that they threw up the first six months that they had the network up looks very different now, and it's no secret why. Um, but the one thing we'll always have over them, they can try to do the multi-part history of WWE all they want. They can never, because they're a publicly traded company, obsessed with their image in the eyes of the stockholder and Wall Street. They're beholden to the stockholder. So they can't tell the truth. And we can. Oh, yeah, sure. They can tell the truth about, you know, Hogan not getting along with Mr. T, maybe, or something really outrageous like that. But they can't go inside the lawsuits from the past. It would be suicide for them. They can't talk about any of the difficult stuff 
than it is for a company to admit about itself. The fact that they're so beholden to, the, to their image in the eyes of the stockholders, they're not talking about Mel Phillips sucking anyone's toes. They're not going to talk about the steroid scandals. They're not going to talk about the shit that is part of the history. And when you're going to do a comprehensive history, you can't sit there and give the win-loss uh, records and you know the glory shots of the titles. You've got to talk about it all. And that, that was very much the goal of our timeline series to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, there's the phrase again. But if you're going to give the fan, the historian, the whole story, then you've got to give them that. You've got to give them the glory, but you've got to give them the grime a little bit too. Well, I'll go back to the, you know, the digital medium and offer uh, in a minute there. But what's probably the most shocking thing you've learned when you uh, said you guys, and what you do, I agree with. You try to tell the truth and the whole story when you're telling a history. But is there something that really stands out? You go, holy shit, I wasn't expecting that thing. Yeah, there's moments that that I get thrown for a loop if there's a revelation. I mean, Piper had a revelation on his, uh, his edition of Timeline. He covered Timeline 1984. Is this um, the Pat Patterson thing? Yeah, I brought up Pat Patterson as a booker for, you know shortly after WrestleMania, kind of when he took over, and Piper kind of got serious and said, well, Pat doesn't like me. And then he went, flashed back to uh, years ago when he was, uh, when Roddy was a young guy coming in, and um, you can, well, I'm sure there's clips of it all over the internet, you can see what he said. And that was like, and I know he got a ton of heat out of Connecticut from that, so much so that he later on, I think, went on the internet and tried to, Tried to kind of gloss over, you know, what was implied. I mean, watch, watch the show. It's right there. It's, it's unedited. What he said. Um, he, he later tried to kind of downplay the, the whole thing, but he came clean on something, and, and it was. Uh, I think he even, in telling it, takes a pause and says, "You know what? I, I got to be a man about stuff like this." So, so here we go, and he tells it, and. I certainly, you know, this is his telling of it, and, you know, there may be a different story out there, and that's fine, but this is Roddy's recollection. This is what he's going with, and, you know, I, and, I, I, I yeah, didn't dust anybody for Prince. Yeah. And did you, speaking of which, did you read the book that was just recently done on him, uh, finished by his kids and stuff? No, a, a Piper book. No, I read Patterson. I read Pat Patterson's book, which I thought was tremendous. A, a really yes, uh, yes. A, a brave publication. I, I think. I guess it was WWE Books put it out, and a, and a brave publication. I know it. I actually have. Uh, when you look on the shelf, uh, it's right here in the office. I can tell you in a second. But uh, yeah, the Piper one was interesting. Yeah, it's a WWE book. Yes, and I thought it was a really nice tribute to the ECW Press, by the way. Yeah. Right. I guess it was a partnership with, with them, but I thought it was a nice yeah. tribute to his partner, Louie, and just a really very open and honest um, uh, story about his life and the difficulties of being uh, a gay guy in in wrestling. So uh, kudos to him for having the balls to uh, to publicly tell his story that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, is there anybody you guys haven't spoken with that you want to? 
Well, sure. I, there, I've always thought that you know the guest Booker series couldn't be complete without a few names like Ole Anderson, and uh, I didn't think it could be complete without Dusty Rhodes, which you know that opportunity has uh, that ship has sailed. Um, but he was always one I wanted for guest Booker. Pat Patterson, I've always wanted for guest Booker and tried very hard to, to get. My last. Uh, impassioned plea I made to him was about a year ago. His book wasn't out yet, so he was said he didn't want to do anything because of the, uh, the anticipation of the release of his book. But, um, you know, I, I said to him, please, you know, when I when we come back, let's, let's do something. There's, there's just so much we have. You know, we're telling a lot of stories here, and it doesn't have your voice. And we're talking about the history of WWE, and Pat was a big part of that in the late 80s and and, and early 90s from a creative standpoint. And think about something to, through the Attitude Era where guys were talking about you give him so much credit. Yeah. So. Sure. And you mentioned the Attitude Era, so there are some... I mean, of course, there were the guys that are that are somewhat untouchable, like The Rock. I don't think he's going to sit down with us anytime soon. Yeah. Although he should. He just doesn't realize he should. Um, <laughs> Austin, Austin's very entrenched in Connecticut still, so I don't even know if he could. Although I, he, he mentioned me in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, which uh, I thought was great. Maybe that moves us a little closer to getting getting Steve on the show. Um, there you go. But from a more realistic standpoint, I've I've tried hard for Mick Foley. Hasn't worked out uh, to this point, but I think Mick would be a great fit for us, and I think I would have uh, a great time with Mick. Um, Where would you put him in what series? Well, I would have wanted him for Timeline. You know, I, I would have wanted to give him a year for uh, for Timeline. Um, I think, uh, who, who else? Uh, who else was I going to say? Oh, um, I think, how could, you t- how could we have a series called Timeline, the history of WCW, and not have Ric Flair on that? So I think uh, Rick, it is, Rick Flair needs a year in the timeline, the history of WCW series. Um, very happy with the names we got for the for that series thus far. Um, I think with very few exceptions, you can look at the talent we have that represent each year in that story, whether it was the ECW story, which we told from 92 up to two, 2001 or 2000, the end of the company, um, the WWE timeline history of WWE series, um, where we had guys like Brett and Nash and Piper. I mean, the guys that should be telling this story. Very proud that we were able to get uh, those names. But there are some that need to be in there still. And Flair for the WCW side of it is definitely one of them. Yeah, because. Uh... Yeah, a regular contributor to, uh, like, the issues and stuff, Paul Rogers, asked if you had uh, ever approached Flair, and obviously it sounds like you would again. But he you mentioned know, I, that, uh, I, breaking... No, go ahead. I can't remember if we ever had a formal offer made to him. I know there's some difficulty working with Rick, and I know some of my other um, uh, peers um, in the business uh, have not had good experiences with Rick. The content might have been good, but dealing with him is a bit of a challenge sometimes. I don't know if that would be the case with us. Hopefully not. I think we operate um, 
at a level that most talent want to uh, play ball with. So yeah, and you, you build enough credibility up as well. Yeah, that's part of it too. Sure, I think that's part of it. It shows you are a professional. But uh, I had a question uh, from your uh, the what is it the fan group of kayfabe commentators. They were curious to know two things. Can we get the story as to why the Buff Bagwell interview didn't work out or go well? And would you ever consider doing a uh, timeline episode of Paul and Nash of specifically history of the NWO from 96 through WWE run? Yeah, well, listen, if the fans wanted it, it'd be pretty tough to say no to it. Although fans want a timeline history of TNA series, which I keep getting asked. <laughs> what are you going to get there? I don't know. That, well, for me, the thing is that how different was each year, really? You know, you tell the story of WWE, it's, you know, the stories from the 60s from Bruno were really interesting, and then the stories from 77 and 78 from uh, being told by Superstar Graham were very interesting, the stories from 1984 told by Piper in that era when cable and MTV was hitting, really interesting, and then, you know, Brett telling about 92, really interesting. Like, what would fucking... 2008 and the 2010 version sound like on TNA. How different would that sound? Um, so I, I don't know that there's a market for that. But um, as far as the whole Nash thing, a lot of my, a lot of my, um, I keep saying it's my associates in this uh, this field have been putting them together, um, putting X Pac together with them now. There's a bunch of them out there, so. We tend to want to do things that haven't been done yet. So yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, if we could find an angle or find something to do that hasn't been done yet, then sure, I, I would. But I'm not just going to replicate some, something someone else has done and so so very poorly probably. Um, I don't yeah. want to watch the other ones, but um, I, I can't imagine it going as well as it would for us. Um, what was the first part of your question? Oh, uh, Buff Bagwell. Buff yeah, Bagwell. Um, Buff was uh, um, Buff was uh, not in a condition to tell the history of the last shit he took, much less the history of WCW <laughs> for the year he was given. And we'll leave it there. Yeah. Can, uh, now, would that have been your, the same guy that you mentioned uh, earlier? I was going to say, you want to slide back to uh, about 20 minutes prior in the interview and re-listen. Maybe you can uh, do a little detective work. Yeah, uh, play a little. Obviously, sent you over a couple of audio clips for questions of calling in. And the one I didn't send you was, how big is Batista's dick, which is an ongoing gag. No pun intended, gag. I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope. I quite honestly hope we never get the answer to it because then it'll lose its uh, its cachet. I think it may yeah. have lost its cachet already. I think we need to um, maybe um, amend the uh, amend the question. Maybe swap out talent. Something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the one talent. I don't even know how it started or what show it started in or who asked it first. 
Um, I don't even, it's just one of those things that took on a life of its own, and it's so, <laughs> when I run into people who, I, Joey Styles, okay, Joey okay. Styles, who I'm, I first met Joey when he was still with WWE, and he, we were shooting, and he came in uh, to see, I guess, the talent we would work with, and he came up to me, and he said, oh, my God, he said, very familiar with your work, and we had a laugh, and, you know, they, I guess we're, I guess we're a bit of a locker room hit now, some of the more, uh, some of the more salacious clips on YouTube, I guess, are a popular locker room uh pastime. So he was familiar with our stuff and I said to him, I said, listen, you know, there's a lot there's a lot we can do someday and even to this day when I see him, I'm like, All right, is it time? He's like, No, he's like, This stuff is awful. He's like, Batista's dick and like penises, like that's all you talk about. I'm like, <laughs> Joey, I said, We have a series called The History of WWE with Bruno San Martino and Superstar Graham and Roddy Piper. I said, I said, I said, History of WCW, Eric Bischoff and Kevin Sullivan and J.J. Dillon. What are you talking about? You're talking about the same 75 clips that show up in your um, suggested viewing on the right side of your screen on YouTube? You know, lest we not be judged only by that. I, it kind of has been the Batista thing and I guess that's the shit that gets shared so much on YouTube and stuff that that like became our identity for like a while there. We were called the You Shoot Guys. Yeah, those, those You Shoot Guys just did a new show. I can think now we're the Timeline Guys. <laughs> we graduated oh, to a new level of maturity at least. Hey, yeah, and like you said in the same uh, video, I believe that you re I referenced earlier with Mr. Nash, you do have a degree from somewhere. That's right. You know, the thing is, so, with the you shoot theories when people people shit on the content of the you shoots specifically, and you know the games and the f marry kills and the you know the, that series is entirely fan questions. I mean, we take it a little further and put a spin on it, and maybe we'll do something in the form of a game with the talent, but the, the genesis for the game was a fan question. And all I do is I sit there and I sift through hundreds of fan questions and videos. So it's kind of hard to come at us and be critical of our content when it, if you don't like what's being asked, send in some shit, send in different stuff. This is clearly what the fans want to hear about on those shows. It's the most, it's the most, um, uh, democratic process that you shoot. It's uh, it's entirely fan created. Let's go to the first call. Uh, my name is Brian, calling from Chicago. So uh, <clears throat> I had actually two questions. Uh, how long does a series like Timeline take to produce and start to finish? And then the second one with the political landscape we're currently in, what would be Sean's advice for someone who wants to start investing money? Um, we're usually comfortable with like two months um, from when we get a commitment to when we show up and shoot it. Um, if it's a timeline, it takes about that long for Anthony to write it. And for me, I mean, I usually get it like two days before, and then I have to frantically go through it and do my edit 
pass. I get it as a rough draft, and then I got to go through and, and do a final pass and um, and do a last edit. So, yeah, those take anywhere from a month and a half to two months, a timeline to be written. So we need the two months okay. out with the booking for a talent. For you, shoot, we usually leave the submission period open for um, about three weeks. For so, so if we announce something like on the 1st of December, we'll say, hey, you know, taking submissions now for the um, blah, 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 you shoot. Um, we'll give three weeks and then close it out around the 20th, 21st, whatever that in my hypothetical example would be. And then um, we usually need about two to three weeks from then on to finish compiling the show and moving the questions so that the show flows. Once again, we're back to stuff that I don't know how many other shoot companies consider, but um, we move uh, the fan chapters around to have the most cohesive flow, the most, uh, you know, the, it's putting together a show, you know, you you want people to stay engaged. So, you know, we there is a science to where certain stuff goes in a U-shoot. Uh, well, the goofy question, like you said, you get on U-shoots and all from time to time. I found this a little odd, but why not go with the flow here? Hello, Sean. My name is David Matheny. I'm from San Diego, California, and I'm currently a member on the Kayfabe Commentary Fan Club on Facebook. And the question I have is a question I've asked on many U-shoots, and it's a question I'm always curious about. Now, Sean, the man who's a little bit older in age, I have to wonder, how do you keep such a great head of hair? Thank you. Oh, I keep a good head of hair. Um, yes. It's 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 thinning in the back. I mean, I'm you know I'm 44, so I think I'm right on course with most guys my age dealing with a little male pattern baldness. Um, uh, everything else works, fortunately, but uh, yeah, you know the hair gets a little little challenged uh, uh, when we get to our age. But I don't know. Put plenty of product, I guess, is is, is the answer. Okay. Uh, and the third call-in was... Hello, Sean. My name is Joseph, and I'm calling from Yuma, Arizona. And I was wondering, because you've interviewed a lot of different wrestlers over your career interviewing, what, what are the main differences, if any, between interviewing the older talent and the newer talent? Just, just wondering. Hope you have a good day. Um... It's the it's the reluctance to be completely forthright with their opinions. Now, I don't want to put Hornswoggle in that category because I think that that was a shoot that was closer to what we get traditionally from some of the old school guys. You know, um, he uh, he was he was great with it. Um, see Del Rio the other example you mentioned Del Rio I thought he was good too but he's an old school guy you know we look at his family generation and all that I would yeah I would consider him more um, of an old school mentality and so he's kind of more honest about stuff but there have been times when when I felt I wasn't getting when I knew I wasn't getting the whole story you know 
cameras would go off and someone would look over and go, look, I couldn't say it on camera, but yeah, Seamus, total fucking dick, you know? Yeah. But they they won't say it on camera. So that, that's the biggest difference is the, the reluctance to shoot in a shoot. And guys that don't have to suck a dick anymore uh in a in a metaphorical sense um they can say they can say whatever they want their their legacy precedes them and if WWE ever wanted them back or didn't want them back it wouldn't be some flippant comment that they made at a shoot interview that would prevent them from going back because their legacy is is firmly intact it's much stronger than the, the temporary nature of a comment the things they've done in the ring and what they mean to history now if you haven't done much in a ring and you haven't contributed much to history and you've just been one of the athletic flippity-do guys on a card yeah then you know what maybe you do have to to you know watch your mouth a little more because you're a little generic and maybe you have to have to protect yourself a little protect your image a little more hoping to be asked back to wwe if you don't have a legacy to do that for you and i know we we're not going to go into a four and a half hour interview here with you there's so much more we can do and i only say that number because of uh your buddies over in your head and george south just did uh historic one of four and a half hours hours apparently the other day uh but if folks want to get oh yeah i wanted to go back before i close this out uh to the digital stuff you were talking about earlier yeah can you yeah. see kayfabe going back to or doing something along the lines of a streaming network with your uh product the thing that that's preventing us from doing it now is we we don't produce enough content frequently enough to justify my charging somebody, you know, 20 bucks a month or whatever. Um, we do anywhere from 18 to 20 original full-length programs a year. And there are some months where there's only one release. Now, if that release isn't a series you like. Like, let's say you like the U shoots and you like the timelines, but you don't like Breaking Kayfabe. And, you know, the April release is Breaking Kayfabe. Well, I have a hard time charging you 20 bucks on a recurring membership for the show that we're going to drop that month is something that you don't want to watch. So I, I much prefer the a la carte format. You can buy the series that you like, you can buy the talent you like, and, you, and you're not forced to pay for the shows we produce with people that you don't want to see. Um, if we were doing, you know, if we were uploading stuff constantly all month, then that's different because you're you're providing a ton of new content every month. So even if somebody doesn't like program A and they're into program B, C, and D, well, then it's certainly worth it for them. We just don't – we don't do shorts. We don't do, you know, like 30-minute videos or anything or, you know, we do full-length you know, two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour fully produced programs. So because of the infrequency that you can release that stuff when you produce it as carefully as we do, it would be hard for a network-type format. There's a lot of shows that we've talked about in the past that if we just did a subscription-based model that would be great for that, that I, I could, I wouldn't, 
feel comfortable charging somebody 20 bucks a month just for, you know, something fun. Like, we get these crazy ideas, like shopping with Paul Orndorff, like spending the day with Paul Orndorff, getting a, hair, getting a haircut, going to the supermarket, you know. Yeah, that would be a really funny 30-minute thing. But I can't put that on a DVD and sell that damn thing for $20. But if we had a network, that's the kind of stuff that you could fill uh, you could fill the network with. But right now, we do full-length, fully-produced programs. We just don't do enough of it for me to justify taking your money every month if there's a show you and want I'm, to see. And I'm sure it would – the original idea, what we – if you go back about 20 minutes or so at this point, 25 – uh, where we referenced doing the audio commentary, uh, talking about matches and whatnot, like you said, with Hockey and all. I know it's probably an issue with licensing and all that stuff, but could something like that be good for a network or, like I said, does it come to, uh, you don't have the license to distribute said matches? Well, we couldn't show the, we couldn't show the video. We have a series now called Next, uh, Evolution, Gabe Sapolsky's Next Evolution, where we did license match footage for, um, the guys that are headed from the indie circuit up to uh, WWE slash um, NXT, and Gabe does sit down with them, and we do show the matches, and they do uh, an audio, uh, alternate audio commentary um, of those matches, and it's kind of a Gabe sitting down with the talent and talking about their time together. So Gabe nurtured most of those careers, um, but outside of a deal like that where we we would never be able to license WWE's footage for a product like that. So, I, what we did do for the um, commentaries is we we bundled them all on um, and we sell them on a um, on a uh, DVD full of uh, all those old files. Um, so uh, they are available for anyone who's interested in listening to the old uh, commentary track. But if people want to go and purchase anything, it's kfapecommentaries.com. Uh, where can people see Sean Oliver or the company on social media as well? Uh, we're on we're on the socials. We're on Twitter at kfapecomment. Um, we have a, uh, a Facebook page, our company Facebook page. You can like us there. If you head to our, our main, you know, our splash page at kfapecommentaries or shoot interviews, dot com. Um, we have uh, our little contact us box there, or, or connect with us box. So you can get us on Facebook. We have our YouTube channel, which has all of our trailers. I think for anything we've ever done, all 150 some odd programs, we have trailers for all of them on our YouTube channel. And um, also, uh, we have a forum which you could link to from. Again, from our homepage, everything you ever wanted kayfabe commentaries related is over there at shootinterviews.com or kayfabecommentaries.com. One thing I would change is that damn name. I mean, it's a cool name, but, man, it's a lot to type. Yeah, uh, but now that I'm thinking about it, we mentioned Bundy. Bundy, excuse me. Uh, what can you say is forthcoming from kayfabe before you go? I have our whole schedule right here. We have um, yeah, Bundy's uh, series premiere of Supercard is out now. Yes. Um, December 6th, we'll see yet another timeline, the history of WCW. This time, uh, it's Tully Blanchard telling the year 1987. 
Um, we have a timeline history of WWE coming up in January. It's a, a more recent edition. It's a, the Hornswoggle edition where he talks about his his year being uh, Vince McMahon's son, what it was like <laughs> to share a television angle with the boss. Um, we have a U shoot with uh, Mr. Ken Anderson, which will be out in January. Um, Jim Cornette's Back to the Territory series that we produce. We'll have yet another edition, another territory being profiled in February. We're doing All Japan Pro Wrestling with guest Stan Hansen, hosted by Jim Cornette. All great stuff. KFAPCommentaries.com. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Tell you what's up. Based out of Atlantic City, New Jersey, Geek Time Entertainment runs exclusively along with different events in the area to strategize with their partners who will benefit with increased exposure and patron traffic. Geek Time Entertainment will work with your event in increasing the event's traffic via social media, radio, and storefront advertisements. Holy cow! Also, they will help increase business for your company and event with different sales incentives. Duh. Whether your event will be small or even mid-scale, Geek Time Entertainment is the group to work with. That's what I'm talking about. Contact them today at geektimeentertainment at gmail.com or facebook.com backslash geektimeentertainment. Oh my god, who the hell cares? Hey, brother, this is Devon Duffy of the Duffy Boys, Team 3D, whatever you want to call me. But you're listening to the top radio show in the world, the Crazy Train Radio. And my brother, that I will testify to. Oh, testify.